Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Holy Human with Leanne Rimes is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome, my beautiful friends. Today's episode is one of my absolute favorites because it is overflowing with great information about the importance of building and maintaining healthy boundaries, which I am sure is a topic that we could all use a good dose of wisdom on. And it's coming from the wise and wonderful Terry Cole, the best-selling author of Boundary Boss and many others. And she's my guest on today's Holy Human. friend terry cole welcome welcome to the holy human podcast thank you so so much for joining us i'm so pumped to be here i'm so excited to have you here i have to say your book had me in all the feels your boundary boss book when i knew that you were coming on and i was like okay i have to dig into this book i have to say that it was it was a bit intimidating because i feel like my boundaries have pretty much been non-existent <laughs> for my whole life. Do you find that this is a common feeling for people? Do you find that boundaries are intimidating? Uh, yeah, Com- completely. <laughs> and if you're raised as a woman, mm-hmm. i mean really think about it. Your situation is five times more complicated because you became highly visible at a young age. Right. So let's just do this in front of the whole world. Fantastic. Where normally <laughs> we're, we're just having no boundaries whatsoever within our families, our communities, because most of us were raised 
and praised if you were raised as a woman for being a self-abandoning codependent. Yeah. Like we got praise for the more self-sacrificing, the more giving, be nice. And mm-hmm. this was like the highest virtue humanly possible for at least where I grew up. It was all about being nice. Yes. So I just learned to say yes when I really wanted to say no, because I thought being nice was more important than being honest. Wow. That's it right there. I mean, we've put so much more weight on being the nice, especially like you said, the nice girl, the nice woman, instead of being truthful. And when you say truth, what comes up for me as the juxtaposition of being nice is being mean. Truth is mean. That's kind of what I've equated. There's no way of telling your truth without the anger and the bitterness and the resentment and things that come behind that. And this is a whole new lesson for me that I'm stepping into in my own life of telling my truth in a clear way without having to have the the push of all of these heavy emotions behind it, which is so hard. <laughs> right. But think about it this way. Part of why we equate truth with meanness mm-hmm. is A, you wait too long. When you learn that you should suppress how you feel if someone else won't like it, so this is like people-pleasing syndrome, validation outside of ourselves, then we wait a super long time. So by the Mm -hmm. time you can't even contain that truth anymore, you will use a sledgehammer, (laughs) even when like a pencil eraser would have done the trick because we're so pissed. We waited too long and now we're a volcano because the truth about frustration and not being seen and not being heard and not being known is that there's a cumulative effect. Mm -hmm. So it starts in childhood and then it just goes from relationship to relationship where you're like, I'm checking boxes, making sure everyone else has what they need. There's Mm -hmm. no conflict. I'm not rocking the boat. You get to a point where you're like, and I can no longer do that, you know? And that starts in childhood. I mean, that starts with our parents and the way that we were parented. I know I've been doing a lot of digging for myself and um, I know that I was basically confused manipulation with love. (laughs) I think a lot of us have. God bless my parents, but that was the way her mom parented her and that's the way that I got parented. And so even now I'm starting to realize in all the ways that I manipulate, Mm -hmm. which is such a hard thing to rub up against because to be honest about, I'm not giving out of love. I'm giving out of manipulation in order to get my need met or out of fear. Then you come up against the question of like, well, when do I give out of love? Like, what is love? What's something else other than manipulation? Because that's the way we've learned to love. That's the way we learn to get and receive love. And it's a, it's a hard one. <laughs> well, it, it is. It's like facing the shadow self right? and being like, okay, I'm human. I've got the light. And of course I have the darkness because we all do. But I remember in my 20s and early 30s, first coming up against like, what is my shadow self? Mm-hmm. And it's super painful because we have a particular way of perceiving ourselves. Mm-hmm. Ego dystonic, it's called, where our idea of ourselves. When I was, you know, codependently attached to every human being on planet earth in my life, giving out of not, not love, right? (laughs) giving out of wanting to be needed. And with codependency, you're giving because it's fear of rejection. There's all of the things that are there. I really thought I was like mother Teresa, like, honestly, (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, I'm just a lover like that. You know me. I'm just, I'm just all heart as me. Until I had an amazing therapist, right, who helped me see because I was trying to manipulate and fix the situation that one of my siblings was in that was a bad situation, an abusive relationship, drugs, uh, no running water, like that bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was yeah. crying to my therapist and being like, what am I going to do? I've been, I tried this and I tried that. Like, what am I going to do? You know? Right. And she was like, hello. Well, since it's not your life, <laughs> like watch and cry. I don't, I don't know, but right. it's not on right. you to do something. But she was like, do you understand what's happening? And I was like, no, please enlighten me. Cause I really don't understand. Mm -hmm. And she said, you've worked for 20 years in therapy or 15 years, whatever it was at that point to create a pretty harmonious inner life and a pretty harmonious outer life, you know, relationships, whatever. So what's really happening is that you want to fix your sister's problems because her dumpster fire of a life is getting in the way of your internal peace. Mm. Interesting. I was like, well, that is so much less cool than you being Mother <laughs> Teresa, but <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It is for your own sanity so that you don't have to feel the pain through them, basically. Uh, yeah, I totally understand that. You talk about codependency. You talk about high-functioning codependency in your book. And I was wondering if you could elaborate on that and what that is, what the signs are, so we can all sit here like I'm doing and nod our head, yes, that is us. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we all have a, a level of this to some degree. Yes, especially being raised as women, because yeah. we really are the bridgers the assuagers, the soothers, like mm -hmm. of the world. So we're sort of the producers, like keeping it going, you know? Right. So first of all, the, the backstory on why high-functioning codependency as opposed to just regular old codependency is that my clients didn't identify. I would see codependent behavior, I would mention it, and they would go, no, 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 you're, not, you're <laughs> confused. I'm not dependent on squat. Like everyone is dependent on me. Right. I'm doing everything. I'm making all the dough. No, you're wrong. I'm not that. I'm not involved with an addict, right? There was this old school idea from Codependent No More that came out in the mm -hmm. like early 80s, maybe. So I got it because I had a different sort of um, relationship to codependency, too. I found that my clients were highly capable, mm -hmm. extremely smart women mm -hmm. who were basically running the world and yet... They were doing it at the expense of themselves. So I added high functioning to codependency, right? <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. raising my hand. Like, yes, that's me. <laughs> I'm glad you're explaining this because when I turned 30, I had hit kind of rock bottom for myself and went into to treatment. And I basically went in for codependency. I mean, codependency and anxiety and depression and all things that come along with it. Yeah. But until your book, I was like, I'm not codependent. What are you talking about? And then you talk about high functioning codependent. I'm like, oh, shit. Right. I didn't really completely detach from that need or that enmeshment, I guess, in a way. Yes. And that behavioral interaction. So for mm -hmm. those of you who don't know what codependency is, according to Terry Cole, it is being overly invested in the feeling states, the decisions, the outcomes, and the circumstances of the people in your life. But it's to the detriment of your internal peace or your physical or financial well-being or spiritual well-being. Because as lovers, mothers, bonus moms, all the things that we are, of course we're invested in the happiness of the people we love. Mm -hmm. 
But when you're codependent, you feel responsible. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know, am I? I'm going to ask you right now to check your urgency. When your best friend gets in touch with you and says, oh my God, I have this terrible situation. This thing happened. I don't know what to do. If that feels like you immediately jump into action and it literally feels like your friend's problem is yours to fix. You feel that weight and that urgency that is codependency. No, because I feel the weight and the urgency of the whole world because I feel like I'm super empathetic and it's just me as an artist. I have that kind of connection with life. How do you really differentiate between, oh, I'm an empathetic person and then I'm also codependent because those can feel like very similar things. Well, they can, but not really, because here's the thing. Yeah, Yes, on the feeling thing, right? Because okay. in both situations, there's a, a feeling element. But when you're codependent, you're not just feeling like compassion or empathy for your friend's situation. You feel responsible to fix it. Mm. Okay. And that is totally different. It's one thing to say to your friend, hey, I'm here for you. How can I best support you right now? Are we brainstorming? What, what do you need? How can I best support you? Knowing that just like in my sister's situation, it was not mine to fix, mm-hmm. right? My therapist had said to me in that scenario, what makes you think you know what lessons your sister needs to learn in this life? Right. And I was like, I don't know. I think, can't we all agree? It cannot be in the woods with no running water with some crackhead <laughs> right. who's abusive. Like, can we agree? Yes, that would be and a good she, one not to learn. You would think, but she was yeah. like, I don't know, Tara. Like, I can't say that that's not how she has to learn. Right. And when I stepped back from that relationship, not you know, and said, hey, if you ever really want to get out, I'm here. I love you, but I can't have you talking about abuse all day long. Nine months later, she got in touch. She's like, I'm ready to go. Moved her out, she went back to school, got sober, and did it on her own terms. And I was Mm -hmm. happy to be a part of the solution, but it wasn't my solution. Mm -hmm. It was her solution for her life. Yeah. And I actually talk quite a bit in the book, Dan, to what you're talking about with highly sensitive people Mm -hmm. and empaths, because it does impact how we interact in our relationships. If Mm -hmm. you identify as someone who is an empath, we don't just feel sympathy for others. Mm-mm. <laughs> we feel what's going on like it is going on for us, but yeah. the healthy part of our minds has to know it's not, and that we can be supportive and stay lovingly connected to others without thinking that we know better yeah. than they do. My pattern my whole life has been, I need to fix your emotional state so that I can feel safe. Yeah, I've worked through a lot of this and like I said, many, many years and now I'm coming to a new level of understanding and working through some things. But Eddie, my husband was in a bad mood about something and I allowed myself and I had a real experience, an embodied experience of not having to go into his bad mood to fix it. I was like, I'll just let him, he's going to do his own thing, whatever. I'm going to have a good day. It doesn't have, I don't have to match his mood. Yep. And I felt strange, number one. And number two, I felt good. I was like, oh, because me matching his emotional state doesn't help either of us. It just, and then he's out of it and then I'm still in it. (laughs) And then I feel resentment because all of a sudden now I feel like I'm carrying it for him. 
Yep. And then he just, he ejects from it. He feels better. And now I'm carrying it. And so (laughs) that's basically been like the dance of my whole life and the way that I feel like I've been codependent because I feel like I'm somehow emotionally saving people and then carrying the weight of it, which is a shitty way to live. Once you, especially once you have an embodied experience out of it, you're like, whoa, that, that's a heavy, heavy weight to carry. It is. It's also not great for relationships because Mm -mm. it really builds, because, you know, I'm obviously a recovering codependent and it is a Mm -hmm. discipline. Mm -hmm. I I feel like it's a lot like stopping drinking, right? Where (laughs) it it isn't just like, oh, good. I'm glad that's over. Right. You still have to mindfully, because my nature would still be to fix the bad mood, Mm -hmm. to take on the bad mood, to I'm more about trying to change the bad mood, right? Right. Like where I'm like, (laughs) what do you have to be sad about? We have everything. You should be grateful. You know, like judging. I'm I'm more mean about it (laughs) when I fall into it. But I I really work not to end to be able to acknowledge or I'll say to my husband if he's in a bad mood. And of course, 15 years ago, that would then be my mood or I'd be fixing. Mm -hmm. I'm able to say, hey. How can I best support you? You seem like you're bummed. Yeah. He'll, he used to say something sarcastic because he's an artist. He'd be like, if you could learn to draw. I'm like, okay, well, I was being <laughs> sincere and you're an asshole. So bye. <laughs> like, just no with your sarcasm. Never mind. <laughs> exactly. Let me take that I'm going to support offer. you by going over here and see you later. Yeah. <laughs> it, totally. So, so he doesn't do that anymore. But, you know, he'll, he'll say, no, it's, I'm just in a mood. I'll be like, okay. But like you... In being able to walk away and being like, I am one person. Mm -hmm. My husband is a separate human being. It doesn't, it is such a childhood thing to feel responsible for the the whole room. Like Mm -hmm. I'll I'll throw myself under the bus to make it better for others or to avoid Mm -hmm. conflict or to not rock the boat or to make sure everyone else is happy. But of course you see, and all of us get to our peak moment and, and it looks different. For me, I was diagnosed with cancer in my early 30s where, mm-hmm. and I have no doubt that there was some connection to my oh, level sure. of over-functioning, mm-hmm. over-giving, overdoing, feeling overly responsible for all of the humans on planet Earth Right. that I wouldn't stop. And so the universe was like, well, tapping her on the shoulder hasn't worked. So maybe throwing her down a flight of stairs will, <laughs> which it did. <laughs> Thank God. Yes. All right, on that note, we are going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, loves. I am talking with Terry Cole about the fun wake-up calls that we get from the universe. I had that experience the other day of being on stage. I did my first show out um, in 16, 17 months. I haven't had time off like that and not entertaining people for my whole life, basically. And I was so triggered walking back into this. I didn't realize how much my nervous system had actually like calmed down mm-hmm. until I walked back into it. And I was like, oh, all the unhealthy things about this. And and <laughs> it was and it's interesting because I've had to cater to thousands and thousands of people in front of me and what what I think they're wanting. Like that was kind <laughs> of the way that I was. That's what I was taught to do. And it doesn't feel good anymore. Now it's like, what do I have to give? What am I wanting? And then how can they be a part of that? And this is where it really hit me the other day, being on stage and being in front of people in the way that I can't cater like that anymore. And something (laughs) that instantly came up for me is I'm done entertaining. I want to connect. Mm. And I see that as a through line throughout my life, especially with my with my husband, with my friendships. It's like, I'm sick of entertaining. I want to connect wherever both of us are as separate whole human beings. Yep. Let's connect from there because otherwise, otherwise I do. I feel like I'm entertaining people constantly. But you know, Leanne, this is like a perfect time in the trajectory of your evolution to bring boundaries in in a real way, because that's what you're talking about. Like I am making a different 
relationship mm-hmm. with my audience is basically what you're saying. I want the connection and not the separation yes. that entertainment yes. can be, right? Like you're over there and I'm over here. Mm-hmm. Making the connection, not to mention, let's just establish quickly for those people who are listening and are like, I don't even know what friggin' boundaries are because you <laughs> yeah, are going to have people. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, we got into a conversation and just <laughs> took the road all the way down. So yes, please we do. We could just keep going. <laughs> okay. So according to me and the way that I teach it in the book is boundaries are you knowing your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, and having the ability to communicate those when you so choose. Mm-hmm. Right, you don't have to, you want to. So, those are the things your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers they're the things that actually make you uniquely you, mm-hmm. and mine make me uniquely me. And so, one of the biggest problems I saw when I, you know, I was in entertainment, you know, as, a, as an agent, and then became mm-hmm. a psychotherapist. When I got into the psychotherapy world, besides my own boundary struggles and evolution. I saw that this lack of boundaries, even knowing what they are, lack of talking true, as I call it, mm-hmm. was a friggin' epidemic. Every person who came into my office, no matter why they were walking through the door, when I really followed the dots back to the pain point, it was their inability you know, to say no when they wanted to say no right. or to share their preference about something with someone. Like we were trained to believe that being easy is preferable, right? You don't have a preference. Just, you know me. I mean, think about all the phrases that people say, right? Mm -hmm. You know me, I'm easy. It's all good. Is it though? Like, why is having a preference (laughs) not good? Like, I don't get it, you know? Right. So that's where we're going to start with boundaries and with talking true. Because ultimately, if you don't share those things, preferences, desires, limits, deal breakers with the people in your life, Mm We're giving the people who we love the most corrupted intel or data mm-hmm. about who we are. So how can anyone authentically love us when we're so busy keeping ourselves in a box or trying to be pleasing to everyone else? Or do we even know who we are? And yeah. I think so many women end up in my office being like, I, I'm 50 and I have no idea who I am because all I've done is check boxes my whole life. That's been an interesting ride for me. And I, as I was reading your book, I'm, I have yet to make my list of those. And you know what? I've found so much resistance when I've gone to do this in my life uh, to make my list of desires and needs. And and I feel like I'm going to be taking up too much space mm-hmm when I create these lists. And then I think, are these really mine? Or am I trying to still please someone within this list? And then you start to be so enmeshed with the whole world, basically, that you don't know what's truly yours and what's not. But I do think like just my simple thing of I want to entertain and I want to connect, like that all of a sudden felt like a real truth. I feel like there is body wisdom in this. And like when it feels like you connect so deeply, where it feels like for me, it runs through my whole body. I know like that's me. Yep. But imagine feeling that way all the time. Yeah. Because I would love that. (laughs) Yes. well, Well, the more you do this though, the more you see that as we honor our boundaries, right? Because this is all about our relationship with ourself. Mm-hmm. And even though we are raised to look outside of ourselves all the time to make sure everyone else is okay, the truth in life is that 
our relationship with ourself, right? That sets the bar for every other relationship mm-hmm. that we have. So if we have a low opinion of ourselves, if we work ourselves to death, if we're always last on our own list, so to speak, inevitably we attract people who are takers because we are givers. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we are resentful. Yeah. So when you have a better relationship mm-hmm. to yourself, take better care of yourself. I don't mean you personally, I just mean in general. Yeah. We are letting people know, oh, hey, this is an appropriate way. Drawing boundaries is letting people know. Mm-hmm. This is okay with me. This is not okay with me. Right. And it's the most loving thing that you can do because then the people in your life actually know who you are. Mm-hmm. They're not guessing. <laughs> we and leave getting each it other wrong. Guessing. And always. And then we're, we end up resenting those people for getting it wrong. Yep. And then for allowing really this relationship where their needs are being taken care of only and ours are... Ours are not, and it's painful. Recently, I've I've had a much better relationship with self, and one of the things that has come up for me so deeply is the amount of resentment that I have for the entire world. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and to admit that what has been, it's literally been over the past week. I'm like, I resent everything and everyone, and having to do everything, and this. I mean. And my my therapist was like, "Yay! I'm I, like I'm glad you're angry. Like this is what I was trying to get to. Like we're getting somewhere." <laughs> and I'm like, "It doesn't feel like it. it. It's horrible, but it's true. When you can see that your needs have been you've been putting yourself last, you know, I can see now why I resent everything. Yep. But that next step, though, like I yes. totally feel that. I totally feel that. In this is a phase of healing." Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a really important phase coming up where Yay. we start mourning yeah. the way we wished it was. We start, we need to like honor the, that things didn't turn out the way exactly as we'd planned or that mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time. When I realized this about boundaries, I was like, oh my God, like wasted the last 15 years of my life, like dancing so fast, yeah. walking on eggshells being exhausted, being resentful. I wish I had known this younger, quote unquote, you know? Mm -hmm. But I needed to write about that, journal about that, honor my sadness that I didn't have those skills sooner, so to speak. So with any transformation and any change, it's important that we mourn. Mm -hmm. Sort of like you said, I'm resentful. But but again, most of the time under resentment is something else, right? Mm -hmm. There is Resentment is an easier emotion, but probably it's really a secondary and probably sadness mm-hmm. oh, is yeah, the primary sure. emotion. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I definitely know there's tons of sadness there that I've come up against around not having my needs met um, by many different, by, by parents, by by world. Yep. Recently, I just celebrated my my 25th year of my very first album and to have to look back upon that was, this has been really the first time I've ever looked back and truly appreciated my younger self and really had a very clear understanding of what I went through and not no longer in denial of, of the challenges and the trauma that I've experienced over the last 25 years. And oh my God, yes. It's been intense, but it's been... It has been really liberating and there has been a lot of grief that 
is coming up as I look back. And I think that that grief, like you're saying, is, is such an important part. So I, I feel like I'm not, I'm no longer living in the fantasy of thinking that it can still be better. Like I can make that part of my life better. Right. There's a great Anne Lamont quote where she said, um, forgiveness, quote unquote, is basically giving up hope for a better past. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, yeah. that, that's, I just butchered it. That's not exactly what it says, but the way she <laughs> says it is quite brilliant where it's like, there's, there's something profoundly um, liberating can be in the acceptance of what was true, mm-hmm. right? What actually happened you know, right. and I think that many of us, you know, there's so much of the, the work that I do with boundaries and psychological health and mental wellness, where I talk about going into the basement of your mind. Mm-hmm. So, right, this is the, your unconscious mind, where we repress a lot of things, but there's information that's down there. And we're not just bringing up like painful crap for no reason. We're bringing up these things because if we don't honor them, they then inform our current life. We, right. we can't control the psychotherapeutic way the brain works. Mm -hmm. But we can honor what happened by writing about it, by honoring the kid that you were, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think about different, whether it's age 7, 13, 17, 21, every age, all of us have injuries Mm -hmm. that happen in life. And when you're taught to like deny them, like in my family, like nobody was ever allowed to be mad, You know, it was like, as long as everything was positive, you could talk about it. Right. So I really learned to be like, if it's bad, just deny it, repress it, you know, sweep it under the rug. But of course, that only works for so long, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. When I think of boundaries, it's just been a bit intimidating my whole life because I think of boundaries, the only thing I really think of is like a wall between me and the world (laughs) or a wall between me and other. I feel like that's probably pretty common. How do we begin to have these boundaries that are more pliable? Because that really is what we're looking for, right? Like more, a way to not only like push everything out, but allow the good stuff to also penetrate. Right. You want healthy boundaries, right? Yes. So boundaries come in different (laughs) forms, right? They come in, so porous boundaries are too malleable. Rigid boundaries are too firm, as you're describing. And I think that the myth that people have is that rigid boundaries are what healthy boundaries are, which is not true. So people think that it's like saying no and rejecting and confrontation and being mean and being stingy and being (laughs) greedy and being selfish. I mean, I could keep going because I've heard so many from people like, I'm afraid of this. I don't want them to think that Right. when it comes to boundaries. And I'm like, listen, all we're talking about is starting with knowing who you are and starting to understand what your preference is your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers are in life. Knowing that, you have a right to those things. Mm -hmm. And the reason I put them in categories is because your preference is not the same as a deal breaker. They're all different levels of boundaries and different levels of importance, right? A preference, maybe I want to go to bed early and my husband wants to go to bed late. That's a preference. Maybe we can meet in the middle, maybe we can't, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to get divorced over it. Right. You know, someone who's in recovery but then relapses, that might be more of a deal breaker. So part of it is understanding that there's no like across the board, this is healthy boundaries. Each right. situation is individual. And I think the the easiest place to start is to just stop the auto yes. 
because a lot of us are people pleasers. A lot of us don't even feel like we have the right to take time to think about it. If someone asks something, you're like, right, yep, okay, good, I'm, I'm, I'm there. And that is sabotaging your ability to have a good boundary or to be honest. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step that I have people do, which is to just buy time for the next three to five days. No matter what anyone asks you to do, you cannot give an immediate response. Because we've also trained people in our life. We've trained them to expect us to get back to them immediately. We've, we don't even feel like we could take a day, many of us, and it depends mm-hmm. on what your boundary dysfunction is, right? Some people are loners, right? Did you take, I don't think you did. I meant to send you my um, boundary quiz. It's just called oh, yeah, boundaryquiz.com. Yes, yes. So if anyone wants to take it, it's boundaryquiz.com. And this will give you the archetype okay. that you're most, and it's only 13 questions. It's super quick to do. But you know it. You know what the answers are when you're like, oh, yeah, totally me, totally me. Because when you get the archetype, you can either be like, let's say, the chameleon, the pushover, the peacekeeper, or like the ice queen, or the loner. I feel like I'm all of those. <laughs> you, I feel like depending on the situation, I could be one of all of those. <laughs> you know, it's true. We're usually more than one. Right. right? But we almost always have one predominant. Because a chameleon, which is someone who kind of just goes along to get along with like what other people are doing, mm-hmm. is a bit different than a peacekeeper mm-hmm. who is actively putting out fires that are not, they didn't start and are not theirs, yeah, but they want to make sure. So you'll see there there is a distinction. And I think that understanding that is a really helpful place to start. But if you're someone who feels like you have the disease to please other people, Mm -hmm. or that, you know, you have this people-pleasing syndrome. And and if you feel like you're codependent, Mm -hmm. meaning, you know, think about what is codependency. It's an overt or covert bid to control the outcomes of other people, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want our friend to get into that terrible relationship, or we don't want our partner to make that big mistake we think they're going to make. And yet, when you're not codependent and you have healthy boundaries, you know that those things are the people you love, that's theirs to decide. It doesn't mean you can't brainstorm with them or talk about it with them. But we're not auto-advice giving all the time, constantly making suggestions and doing more than we need to, because right. all of that stuff is codependency. Right. So I say, let's just start by stopping the auto-yes, buying time, which mm-hmm. can be super easy. You just say, oh my God, thank you so much for thinking of me. Can I let you know by Friday? Yeah. And if they go, no, I need to know sooner, you're like, well, if you need to know now, it's a no, because I don't make instant decisions. And But if you can wait till Thursday, that's fine. Like, you know, we can negotiate for that, what it is we want to do. That sounds like me deciding on whether or not I want to do a show. Like, I'll get, <laughs> I'll get an offer and they're like, they need to know today. I'm like, well, I guess it's a no. So, yeah, totally. Because <laughs> you're like, so I've you know gotten what? better. I have to say, I've gotten, re- <laughs> I've gotten much better with my boundaries. But I mean, I think your book really did point out so many places, which is great. I mean, that's, I'm open to seeing all the places in which I've, I've yet to grow in these areas. And I, I think this is probably the last place for me because I feel so, I've learned so well how to be a people pleaser. Like I've gotten mm. it down. I've gotten it down on such a large scale. Being down th- with this downtime during COVID, like it's actually given me a, a lot of us uh, a reset point. And I'm 
feeling like I don't have to jump back into like all of these yeses. And it's, it, there, there is an internal like spaciousness that comes along with that, that feels so good as mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, cause I really, I'm going to go take that quiz and I'm all, I'm going to do my list of preferences and, and desires and deal breakers. But how do you determine what the difference is between a preference and a desire? A preference is something that is not that serious, right? Okay. I prefer coffee over tea. Got it. I prefer a shower over a tub. I have a preference. You know, you go out to, you're deciding to go out to dinner. Right. You know, I think I feel like having this to eat. That's a preference. Let's say your partner's like, oh no, please, I am have such a hankering for this other kind of food. You could be like, okay, we'll have that other kind of food. Maybe, right. you know? So preference is less serious. I find that with desires, they're, they're bigger things. Mm. You may have a desire to live somewhere else. You may have a desire to change careers. You may have a desire to sort of renegotiate what's going on within your marriage or your friendships. So desires are a little bit more important, I think. Okay. And then we move into the limits, which are the things you're like, no, I do not. This is this is a limit for me. I don't want to do that. But then a deal breaker is something that is a total non-negotiable. Right. Absolutely. All right, we are going to take a quick breather, but we'll be right back with more wisdom from Terry Cole. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. 
I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, loves. We are discussing how boundaries can actually make or break healthy relationships. As we begin to set these boundaries and we begin to train the the other is in our life to treat us in a different way, obviously that change and that shift is going to cause a lot of ripples. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you find people come up against the most? What are the most the biggest challenges in their relationships? And as we start to shift these dynamics, what are some of the the ways in which we can possibly make these shifts a little bit smoother? <laughs> yes. Well, here's the thing. Yes, when you're changing the dance, right? Every relationship is like a dance. So your partner is going to notice that you're changing something usually. So the first thing is to be prepared that people are going to notice and that they will feel threatened by you changing. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like if you're a people pleaser, you've got to get that it's okay for someone to not like what you're doing in this moment, for someone to not like that you've decided you're no longer going to be doing the grown kids' laundry at home or whatever the thing is. People will be up in arms like, oh my God, what do you mean? You always did it this way. Okay, well, I'm changing that. What I see the most is once we realize we need to change something, there is such a desire to like make a big announcement about it, to like get a megaphone and be like, bitches, everything is going to (laughs) change. I kind of feel like that right there with you in my life right now. (laughs) So please help me out with this. (laughs) So we don't want to do that. Like the megaphone telling everyone there's a new boundary sheriff in town (laughs) is not that helpful because that is the codependent part that feels anxious. And we just want to discharge some of that anxiety by Mm. being like, I'm going to let you know it's all changing. (laughs) What really works, though, is to change things slowly. One next right action at a time. So we start with our preferences. If you're someone who wouldn't normally share your preferences, we do it. If you're someone who always shares your preferences because your boundaries are more rigid and you're bossing the hell out of everyone and everything has got to be your way, instead of asserting your preferences more, I'm going to ask you to step back a little bit. Because that is a fear-driven response as well. Never sharing them and oversharing them. Two sides of the same coin. The coin is disordered boundaries. Mm -hmm. But we're doing it one situation at a time. You can show the people in your life that you can stay lovingly connected to them and still stand in your strength and your boundary. So... I would say to someone, whether it was my mother who was upset about something or whomever, I see that you're upset that I'm no no longer going to host Christmas at my house, whatever, whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. And I love you and I'm sad that you're upset. And yet this is what I need to do for myself. So Vic and I are going away during Christmas. So I 
am glad that, you know, I expect you to respect the boundary, but I also understand. So we can celebrate the week before and let's celebrate the week after, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to be mad. Part of it is we cannot be so thin-skinned and reactionary that the moment we get pushback, back in the day when you were total codependent or when I was, I could immediately be that chameleon that moved into changing my message to make sure that they were not upset about what I was doing, mm-hmm. right? Like the moment I got pushed back, I'd be like, no, no, you misunderstood me. I would like to be like, <laughs> what I said was, what I meant was, so we're not doing that. Yes. Because we can't be that thin-skinned. It's going to take time to change these dances. So here's the thing. It's okay to be uncomfortable when you start to draw new boundaries, when you start to speak up or talk true, as I like to say, in a different way, there's a part of you that's going to want to take that boundary back so bad. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to so much want to call them back and be like, forget it. It's fine. I can work on New Year's, whatever, or whatever the thing is. (laughs) Right. We're not doing that. So I have a rule in the book. We have a 48-hour rule where you're going to be okay. You're just going to up your self-care. Even though you feel guilty, you feel bad, you think you're a rotten human being, (laughs) all of that is an amplified response to changing. It is the child within you that is totally afraid they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. You're not in trouble. And I promise you, after 48 hours, you will not want to take that boundary back. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I just had this whole experience with my mother and setting a boundary with her. And I had such grief after it. I cried for like 24 hours. And I was like, mm. I'm, a, I'm. there was a piece of me that was like, I'm the most awful person. This is my mother. How could I do this to her? How could I hurt her? And then like you're saying, about 48 hours later, I was like, okay, I just went through that whole process and I feel really good. And now I feel like I'm standing on my own two feet a little more as an adult woman. Yep. It really does take, 48 hours is a great tool. <laughs> it is a great tool. It gives some space. Yep. And like you're saying, if after 48 hours we feel the need to go back on that, I think then there's something that we should be reevaluating that in our boundary in the first place. So yeah, 48 hours, absolutely. I got to tell you, 99.2% of the time, women in my courses, people who get in touch with me who've been reading the book, they're like, it's amazing. And what kind of blows people's minds, like I'm thinking like, what what is the feedback that I get the most when people Mm -hmm. start this process is how readily others accept their boundaries. We always Mm -hmm. start with lower priority people Mm -hmm. because it'd be hard to start with the mothers, right? Because they're, that's hard. Or even the partners, Mm -hmm. that's hard because these are primary VIPs in our life. So we start with lower priority people like Whoever, whoever it is, whether it's your colorist or your mail carrier or whomever, (laughs) if you have a preference, if you have something you'd like to say, if your lunch comes and it's not what you friggin' ordered, send it back. Do the things out in the world that you wouldn't normally be Mm -hmm. doing because that starts to set you up to be like, okay. And the feedback is that people are surprisingly cool with The boundaries that, of course, the person setting them was positive, that there was going to be a big brawl, the world (laughs) was going to stop spinning on its axis, they were going to spontaneously light into flames, and that did not happen. So that's amazing. And then you get more confident. Like you said, 48 hours later, you felt better. We can Mm -hmm. still say, it bums me out, I I wish my mom didn't feel that way. And yet, this is still the right thing for me to do for me. Mm -hmm. 
And that has to be our top priority. And we've been so trained to think that that's being selfish. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, do you really, if we want something valuable to give to the people in our life who we love, we can't give it from an empty bucket. We can't give it by checking boxes and being bitter because that's what, that is the end result of disordered boundaries mm-hmm. is being angry with other people. Instead of focusing on our inability to say no, we focus on Betty's entitlement or right. Bob's behavior. When you know that you can say no, that you're not doing what doesn't work for you in your life, mm-hmm. and that you can do this lovingly and with kindness and with ease and with grace. I mean, eventually, like in the beginning, it might be messy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But you'll get there. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's basically the projection. Instead of dealing with, like you're saying, your inability to say no and how uncomfortable it is for you, you project that anger and frustration out onto the rest of the world. Yep. Yes, I understand that very well. (laughs) That is correct. Yeah, it's, this is, I love this conversation because I feel like there's such power and strength in it. It's interesting, even you were saying how we've learned that selfishness is bad. I look at your, even the title of your book, Boundary Boss. I was giggling to myself this morning because I was thinking in the past for me, that would have been like boundary bitch. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like that's what the what I think of when I say, when you put boundaries and boss into one, you know, mm-hmm. one little couple there, it's, I think of, oh, she's a bitch. Like that's yep. how we've been trained. And it's so beautiful to be able to, and I think such a gift to the self and also like you're saying to everyone around you to be able to come into a place where you can lovingly give direction and the way to love me. Yes, It's really what it is. It's that simple. Yes, it is. And why do we make the people in our life guess? Because they always friggin' get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And not because they're idiots, because they're not us. Right. (laughs) Right. And they're not mind readers. No. So it's so much, even if you just, when I used to counsel couples, which I absolutely hated, but when I I did do it just (laughs) to prove I could to myself, it was so stressful to me personally. Anyway, I would say to... The husbands, and this is like heteronormative, that's who the who the clientele was. So the husbands would complain that they wanted, you know, more sex. The women would complain they wanted more help, and they didn't want their husbands fixing them. And they just mm. were like, can this person ever just listen to me without, like, making a suggestion I'm not going to take? So I <laughs> really boiled it down to teaching the husbands to say, hey, babe, how can I best support you? That'd be great. How about just asking her? Right. And- Then I would say to the wives, and then it's your job to share. Mm. How is that person best supporting you? Make me a cup of tea, sit down and talk to me, want to fool around? Like, I don't know. There's lots of ways that you could support the person. And I said to the husbands, you know, you think that you want more physical intimacy. But I'm telling you, if you looked at the act of thinking about your wife when you're not with her, doing the things that you know she wants you to do around the house without her asking you 11 times. <laughs> Think of that as foreplay because mm. that's how it's going to impact her. The more she has to harangue you, the less thought about she feels mm-hmm. by you during the day. Not when you're looking to get laid, like when you're actually just you know out in your life. That's that, great. The, <laughs> right? Oh my God, so simple. That's so true. Oh they God. were like, okay, I think I can do that. Just take I out like the damn that. garbage without her asking. And right. 
she might want to do you. It would be all right. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And on that inspiring note, we're going to pause for a quick break, but we'll be right back. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, friends. Terry was just breaking down how different reactions in our day-to-day lives can set us on the path to clearer boundaries. I want to shift just a little bit to what you call boundary destroyers. When I got to this piece Mm. of the book, I was like, whoa, I have a few of these in my life and a few of them Mm -hmm. that aren't going anywhere. And so can you describe what a boundary destroyer is first off? Sure. I did a whole 
chapter on this mm-hmm. because it is very common. So mm-hmm. these are people who are emotional predators. They're emotional manipulators. It could be intentional. It could be unintentional. It could be cl- these cluster B personality disorders like narcissistic personality disorder, bipolar, histrionic, oppositional. There's a whole bunch that go into one sort of group. So what I wanted the reader to understand is that everything that I teach you up until that point does not apply to boundary destroyers because the rules don't apply Mm -hmm. to boundary destroyers because they are incapable, these personalities that I'm talking about, incapable of really taking in another person. They Mm -hmm. don't have the, you know, if you think about narcissistic personality disorder, we talk about there's an in, um, they're incapable of having real empathy. Mm Mm-hmm for others. It's like scary, sad, but it's true. So, but a lot of people with these personality disorders and with these these challenges can really seem like they can pretend mm-hmm. like they can do this. And yet everything is a manipulation to their end, whatever it is that they want. And so it's very important to how I break down the chapter is sharing with the reader what are the, the sort of the biggest tools that boundary destroyers use to destroy our boundaries. Mm-hmm. So we have gaslighting, right? Which, you know, has become kind of popularized where it's somebody basically denying your reality, trying to, really trying to make you doubt your own sanity. Right. There is love bombing where it's like just pouring on the compliments and, you know, anyone who's been in a relationship with a narcissist knows what this is. Mm-hmm. It's too good to be true. Because you're the most amazing thing and sex is unbelievable and they want to fly you to Paris for dinner and they can't wait to take you to a wedding. Like, and they ask you to go to a wedding and it's not for like two years. You're like, oh my God, we're totally getting married. Like, (laughs) (laughs) trust me, if it seems too good to be true, with love bombing, it's, there's also an accelerated timeline. Mm. Like you met in like in three weeks or like we're moving in together. You're like, oh my God. Okay. Well, this is moving kind of fast. Right. And someone's like, but how do I know if that person I met and it happened really fast, how do I know that that was, you know, love bombing? I was like, hi, if it's five years later and the person is still good to you and you're still, things are amazing, it wasn't love bombing. Right, right, right. It was just a relationship that moved fast. Right. Love bombing and this cycle of abuse, it goes from you're the most amazing thing to some kind of situation where now you fall out of favor with the narcissist, then they discard you. They're, they're rejecting you. you. You're working overtime to get back in their good graces. And then the cycle happens all over again. Right. It can happen weekly. It can happen every four years, but it's painful. The whole thing mm-hmm. is painful. So you want to be aware of psychologically, what are the tricks? Acting that they're concerned about you, mm-hmm. right? So if you say something that they don't like, you're pointing out their crappy behavior in something, they'll be like, Babe, I'm really worried about you. You're you're really <laughs> off the rails right now. I don't know. Are you okay? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, am I okay? Yeah. You just don't want me to talk about the thing I'm talking about. So now you're going to put me on the defensive. But here's the thing. If you read this chapter and you get really well-versed in these tricks of the trade from these master manipulators you will not fall. You won't be such a victim to them in your life because this isn't just about romantic relationships. No. This is friendships. This is work relationships. This is yeah. people on your team. This is, you know what I mean? Because the cracked pot finds the cracked lid. 
<laughs> which is why we want to heal these childhood wounds, whatever right. they may be. So that because a lot of times we're, we're not only acting these things out or playing them out in our romantic lives, obviously, we have relationships with lots of people where this can be acted out. But there's lots of things that you can do to not allow these types of personalities to manipulate you. Yeah. Stepping back. Yes, drawing boundaries, but we do it differently with boundary destroyers. It's more about removing their access yes. to our most tender heart. Which is challenging. <laughs> it can be very, very challenging. And I've noticed that I know all of these things, but then when I, I'm like, oh, I'll open the door and things will, you think that people have changed because they, their covert ways of making you think that they have changed yep. is <laughs> they're so good at it. I've stepped back before from some people and been like, you're, that's amazing. Like I'm, <laughs> I am like, you should win an Oscar for that performance. Like yep. there's something in me that's still going back and opening that door and opening that boundary just enough to be hurt yep. again. And yep. this chapter was so eye-opening because I see so much of this, but I've never had words for it. So for you to be able to put it into words and to really like be able to see exactly what's going on was so, so helpful. I highly recommend people get your book because I it's really been super, super helpful. I love all of the bonus information that you have for people on this book for people to really get clear and in touch with themselves, I think is so important. Like this is foundational for us to live happy, healthy lives. Yes, it is. And self-determined. So thank you so much for your kind words. And I'm hoping that this is, I just want to reach as many people as possible who are suffering in a way that they could learn these skills mm -hmm. and you, your joy will be exponentially higher and your suffering will be exponentially lower, you know? Yeah. What if there was one takeaway that you want people to walk away with from this? At the beginning of their boundary boss journey, what's the beginning? I know they can go take your boundary quiz, but is there anything else that where people should begin? Well, here's the thing. The way that begin with the book, go to boundarybossbook.com, begin with the book, because I literally start at the very beginning and I walk you through every single step of the way. I also have a course where I actually, in real life, walk people through. And that starts in, I think it's starting in third week in September this year. Oh, cool. Where it's live, right? So people can get their actual questions answered. And there's a whole group element that's amazing. But part of it is know that you can do this. Mm -hmm. You got this and I got you. Like, I know you. I was you. There's <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of. You shouldn't know this already. Think about it like learning a foreign language. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't feel guilty or bad or ashamed of yourself if you weren't just suddenly fluent in another language. Right. That's being fluent in boundaries. It is a language. And I give you a whole chapter on just scripts. Yes, which so I love. That, right? <laughs> I'm so going to be using them, by the way. <laughs> yes, please. Please yes. do. I love it. Absolutely. But you can do it is all I'm saying. You can do it. Yes. And thank you for mentioning that shame piece because I know there's so much shame around this for so many of us. So yes. I love that. If you, you wouldn't be ashamed learning a foreign language. So that's what we're doing. Right. Just simply That's correct. That. <laughs> Let's do it together. Yes. I always ask my guests that I have on about five songs in their life. I call them the Holy Five that you're either into right now or that you've just loved your entire life and why. So 
Bring it out. All right. Here we go. First of all, I, I wrote 10, but I'm only okay. going to tell you five because <laughs> okay. I was like, I can't. And when I realized, can I just say what happened for me when I did this yesterday? I was like, hi, year old. Like, literally, <laughs> I, I was... I went into my iTunes. I was like the top most 25 listened to. I was like, wow, they've been the same for like 20 years. Aww, that just means you love them so much. I, I do. All right. So Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, you're all I need to get by. Oh, yes. Aretha Franklin, Natural One. Barbara Streisand or Luther Vandross, A House Is Not A Home. Aw, I love that. A room is still a room Even when there's nothing But gloom But oh, I love both those versions. Yeah. And Barbara's goes into One Last Bell to answer. It's so good. Um, okay. Then we have Joan Osborne's cover of Dolly Parton's do I ever cross your mind? What? I've never heard that. That's so cool. And do you ever miss the feelings and the love we shared when you were with me? Do you, darling? I just wonder, do I cross your mind? It's a compilation of all other artists covering Dolly's stuff. Okay. On it, The album is called Just Because I'm a Woman. Uh-huh. And there's so many. I also love Coat of Many Colors on there, and Shania does an amazing version of that. Oh, cool. Made only from rags, but I wore it so proudly. Although we had no money, I was rich as I could be in my coat of many colors. My mama Thank you, thank this you so much. This was so fun. I yeah. so appreciate you caring about your mental health and all the good that you're doing in the world, helping uh, people find mental health wellness. Thank you. I have. Um, I really did thoroughly enjoy your book, and I'm going to be diving in more. So thank you for thank you for bringing this to the world. I think we all are in desperate need of it. <laughs> right on. Thanks, my love. Have a good day. To be continued. Yes, I'll talk to you soon. And that ends this boundary building episode of Holy Human. Thank you all so much for spending your time with me as always. And please post your thoughts wherever you're listening. I'd love to see if this landed with you. Also, if you feel this conversation could benefit a friend, please feel free to share this with them too. Until next time. On our next Holy Human, I'll be joined by my friend, Kyle Cease. He is a man who left comedy to bring more happiness and peace into the world. And I am so glad that he did because you will not want to miss his wonderful way of merging laughter and spirituality. Such a fantastic guy. And I'm so glad that we have met through the podcast. He's become a friend of mine. So until then, I wish you all love. Take care of each other. Love yourself. Love everyone around you. And I'll see you soon. Holy Human with me, Leanne Rimes, is a production of iHeartRadio. 
Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.